Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Anand Patel. And I'm Naomi Sheldon. And we're your hosts of The Pleasure Podcast. I'm a doctor specialising in sexual function. And I'm a writer with an interest in the internet. We talk to guests to help us understand the relationship we have with our bodies when it comes to sex and intimacy. It's a whole new kind of sex education for your owl... Careful. ...pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) On this week of The Pleasure Podcast, we are delighted to welcome facilitator, theatre maker, actor and award-winning spoken word artist Katie Greenall. She's been a resident artist at the Roundhouse for the past year and created the show Fatty Fat Fat about living in a body which the world tells you to hate. An advocate for the fat acceptance movement, Katie urges people to leave their diet books at the door whilst she sheds a light on what it's like to be constantly judged on your body size. In an interview with The Stage, she said, Theatre should hold a mirror up to society and there are people who look like me whose stories are eradicated. The show isn't about saying this is my body and I love it because that isn't my truth. This show is about life. I think it grew out of a frustration of not seeing people that look like me or my stories on stages. The name is not subtle for a reason and that's the joke has to have a name like that. Not using the word fat to describe a fat person is inherently fatphobic because you're immediately putting a stigma to a descriptive word that is the same as tall or short or black or white and of course they mean completely different things culturally and contextually and not, not those things are not synonymous with each other but it's a descriptive word and so by shying away from it I'm shying away from my identity and giving power to the fact that it could be used as a defamatory phrase. Fat people don't play leads because they you know inherently aren't they're desexualized and deromanticized, or the only way that those things can happen to them is if they change. As a fat person, I've been taught by society to look at other people in a room, scan the room, scan a tube carriage, ch- scan a club, and decide whether or not I'm the fattest person there. And quantify, do I feel safer if, I've got, if I can see another fat person? Or do I, do I feel better about myself when I see another person fatter than me? And that's something, I'm, that's something that's really internalized in me and something I'm working really hard to like recognize and try and rebut but it's really really hard. That sounds to me like social positioning Mm. you you allow yourself to be not the bottom rung. Exactly. I used to be a school teacher and you can see that with the the young kids when they came in in year nine there would be all this sort of jostling for social position they'd be like little animals you know just just attacking either verbally or sometimes physically Mm. to try and work out which pecking order they sat in and eventually probably about six months in everything would settle down Mm. because they kind of knew where they sat but yeah hopefully you know for for the ones that were fat and I recognize this because I was uh, 17 stone when I was 17 so I've, I've been a, a, a bigger a fat person I'm going to claim that word yeah. I've, I've been a fat person and, and me claiming my fatness has really really 
allowed me to have a lot of freedom in ways that I hadn't really realised I wasn't freely able to communicate. Things like, you know, if I'm going with a group of friends to a bar and there's like all sorts of different chairs. Right now, because I've been more vocal about my fatness and my body, I feel so much more comfortable to be like, actually, can I sit in that chair? Because if I sit in that beanbag, it's going to take me an hour to get up. Or that one's, that chair's got arms and I, I'd rather just sit on that chair. Yeah. And little things like that have been so freeing like eating a communal meal like you know if everyone's having a picnic before it used to be like he's eaten three uh, sausage rolls and she's eaten two so i've eaten two so i've got one more like you know all these maths that you do so that you can be like thin passing (laughs) even though physically i never will be uh, currently anyway um but you don't want to be thought of as greedy do you you don't want to be thought of as greedy you don't want to be thought as difficult you don't want to draw attention to your to your fatness even though it's so blatant whereas now I feel so much more comfortable having those conversations with people about the little things that I'd kind of always be having this internal dialogue about or just like suppressing and now I feel a lot more free it's your body you can decide whether you love or hate it you can decide whether it's healthy or not healthy you can decide whether it's thick or fat or thin or short because it's yours and no one no one else has any right to to it some days it really really hurts and it hurts even more when I have a bad day and I look in the mirror and I go I really fucking hate that stretch mark I really hate that that exists on my body and I really hate now I hate that I hate it and that's something I find more painful than anything else the way that I still look at my body and still have these thoughts you know internalized or otherwise some days they're more on the surface than others and I, I feel really fortunate that now the days that it's positive, it's definitely, definitely always negative. But there are so many times where I still can look at my body and go, God, I really, I w- really did wish it didn't look like that. Fat women, the fat liberation movement has been co-opted by white thin women to uh, sell you things. And it's inherently capitalist and inherently awful <laughs> and never began that way. So I'm, I hark back to the fat liberation, fat acceptance movements and the roots where it began and follow the people that subscribe to those kind of uh, rhetorics rather than the the body positivity movements. How is it to be a queer person of size or do you see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or, I mean and your can, term would be can a, you explain to me what you mean by your queerness? Sure. I quite like queer person of size. That's like a really mm. I like that phrase. Um, <laughs> Uh, I just call myself a fat queer, but like, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> it's a person of colour, isn't it? So I was going, yeah. like, well, I've got a person of colour. Well, how do I say that? <laughs> um, no, I'm into it. Um, I think gender and fatness intersect in a really interesting way. If you emphasise your fatness is in a form of femininity, as in you have big boobs or bum or thick thighs or whatever it is that's in fashion at the moment, you're sexy. But if you have a stomach roll... I like back fat. That's not sexy, apparently. And so I think it's really interesting how, uh, yeah, gender and fatness intersect and how actually me embracing my fatness and presenting that more, or not trying to hide it at least, has actually made me take a step away from my femininity. When I used to go out, uh, like on a night out, I'd always emphasise my boobs or my bum in order to literally distract people's attention from my stomach when I stopped dressing for the male gaze and I stopped wanting men to find me attractive necessarily it's actually empowered me to like let go of 
some things that felt really important to like my gender identity. People who are obviously picked out as being queer in a crowd sometimes find that difficult. Whereas for me, that's been a real important thing. It's something I've been, I guess, also kind of actively trying to cultivate because being a queer woman with an ex, like femme presenting, femme person. Um, I want to talk about this Wimixin. Yeah. Is that the right pronunciation, do we think? I don't know how to pronounce it. I, I just, um, for the woman <laughs> with an podcast, ex. I just did a sort of X with my fingers because I don't really know how to say it. Woman, w- yeah. Because there's been a huge amount, there's a bit of a, been a bit of a furore about it because the Welcome Collection used it and then pe- people kicked off saying they did not like this terminology. But I feel like, and that was last year, and I feel like it started to come back and be more accepted now. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm really, like, just fuck gender. I'm really over it. I'm really over people being so precious about keeping the words women and male sacred. I don't really like the word woman for myself. I think it's because of the way it's been turned into ammunition, like, for the TERFs and for other women who are excluding people who aren't women in in a sense that they see and that's just something I don't want any involvement in I think women women with an x is a really great word if it makes people feel more included if it means that those people aren't segregated from those spaces where we should all be lifting each other up as different marginalized and minority groups then it's all positive I, I'm just really over the word woman to be honest personally but that's no disrespect to the people that have like fought really hard for that word to exist in in that be yeah be armed in the same way that it sure. is yeah. and so you so queerness in that sense is not just about sexuality yeah. it is about gender yeah and i think that's why when i started feeling romantically and sexually attracted to someone with a vagina but the word bisexual just didn't sit well with me and it was only when i came to understand about the word queer and like its umbrella use for something, anything other than heterosexual and cisgendered, I was like, yeah, this is what feels feels right to me. And now yeah. being a fat queer or a queer of size or um, <laughs> feels really important to like my identity. It feels like, I mean, I might be wrong about this, but it feels like being bisexual is quite a hard place to sit in mm. um, because of potentially not feeling part of either community. And so using the word queer feels like a more, as you say, umbrella term, which is far more inclusive. Definitely. And like, I don't want to take anything away from the bisexual community or people identify as bisexual because no. like, as you say, it's a really hard space to sit in. For me, queer is the most appropriate term because uh, my current partner, not because I'm planning to leave them, but like, <laughs> who knows when this might air. So, um, Good luck. We're about to share a bed in Edinburgh for a month. So like, God, God help us. Um, <laughs> no, um, who I love very much uh, is non-binary and so for me to say bisexual just wouldn't be accurate because they don't bi is two gender like we're just you know it's male and female yeah. and my partner doesn't exist in you know in the binary so it would be disrespectful like and undermining for their gender identity just as much as it is for my identity so queer for me, me feels very much uh, the best term for me to describe myself but not non-binary I'm, I'm grappling with the whole non-binary thing. Yeah. It's not... I wouldn't necessarily identify as non-binary in public space, but I 
uh, it's definitely something that I'm working my way through. I'm doing one identity bracket at a time. I'm tackling fatness <laughs> I think it's first. Enough, Katie. And then I'll I'll come to the I'll come to the, I'll come back to the queerness. But I, I keep think. seeing it popping up on Twitter more and more. I mean, every day it's going mm. up exponentially. Um, them they after people's bios, mm. it's, and it's really interesting to see that start to happen. It's quite exciting actually. I think you know it's always happened. Non-binary people, uh, intersex people. Um, two-spirited people from tribal traditions. These people have existed for, they're not new. And a lot of people are you know, putting down non-binary like, as like a fashionable thing. Uh, Which does, is not what, it, I, it it's not what I'm saying that you're saying, but I think maybe it does feel like that sometimes, I think. Um, maybe when you exist in the arts community, everyone's trying to jump on a new bandwagon. But I think in the same way of identifying as fat might get me I take on my arts council, it doesn't make my life any easier. In fact, it makes my life probably a bit harder. Mm. In the same non-binary people, like, yeah, it might open some doors for them as, you know, a marginalised group. But, like, you know, this Pride season, I've seen more stories than ever about queer people in physical danger because of their gender expression. Choosing to, be, to publicly exist in those identities and those spaces like people, are, their lives are genuinely in danger. It makes me feel like, oh God, please let no one use it as a fashion thing. Please God, let it be about people really coming to a place of acceptance and building something. And that's why I, I didn't go to Pride this year. Uh, you see organisations putting rainbow logos on their Twitter profile pictures and then you find out that like there is a genuine wage gap in this country between queer people and heterosexual people. And, you know, you don't see those organisations with their rainbow logos matching that up. You don't, they don't support those, the, those people throughout the rest of the year. Pride is, is supposed to be a protest. It feels, it's interesting that you said that. It was very similar to Tom Rasmussen's experience. They were talking about how they were exhausted by the corporatisation of Pride mm -hmm. and how you know, the DLR, which has got lots of logos on it, had been a site for great violence against mm. them. And I was, I mean, I often feel like I am unevolved in this space um, because I haven't really challenged a lot of the ideas that I've had since I was a child or were given to me by my parents or mm. the people around me. And this has been a great podcast and learning experience in terms of me working out what I believe and, and hearing all these experiences and learning from that. I think I probably am rather unevolved because I, I was thinking I was going to Pride because I recognise it was previously a protest, but for me now it has become a celebration mm. of being able to be the person that I am. Um, and the people around me, I think, treat it like that. Um, however, I clearly recognise that you know, two people that we have interviewed have very different views to that and see it in very different ways. Um, and it's something I'm going to really need to reflect on um, because it, you know, it, it is entirely true, as, as you say, um, it, it's being sort of seconded by other communities that are wearing it as a necklace you know which they can then discard another day for me it felt more important to celebrate with you know i i could never have imagined i couldn't you know if you told me five years ago maybe yeah five years ago that i was going to be i a would identify as i was identify as queer and b i'd have a group of like almost entirely like queer friends my own little community, I would have uh, been like so mind blown about it. So that what felt important for me to celebrate like my people and having them 
close to me, not mine as in like I own them, but like, you know. Your own celebration. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what felt important in the same way that you were talking about your celebration, it just um, manifests itself in a different way. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In the show you talk really beautifully, it's not sort of done explicitly, but you talk about somebody touching you in a sexual, loving way mm. and how that helped you towards sort of an acceptance, uh, or at least coming closer to your own body. I did a lot of, well, I don't know what the right word is, I did a lot of, made a lot of reckless decisions. I keep using the word promiscuity and it's wrong. I should not yeah. be using that word. And, I, and it's been so drilled into me and I find yeah. it really hard to get rid of. I don't know if it's even promiscuity. It's just like I just made stupid decisions and ended up in stupid toilets with stupid men. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I was playing a bit of catch up from like teenage years where boys didn't find me attractive, but in inverted commas, men did. My first experiences weren't with people. I went to a girls' school, but like, you know, weren't with people my age or with friends. They were always with strangers who were very different, like detached lives that meant, you know, our paths would cross very quickly for a moment and then completely dissipate again. And I was so scared of being intimate with someone, having sex with someone and then reporting back to other people about my body yeah. or how, how good or bad I was at, at sex. Yeah. And I think, I so I played a bit of, of catch up for a, for a period where I was like, well, I didn't have all those experiences at house parties when I was 16. So I did it between the ages of 17 and 19, where it's easier to find yourself in slightly more reckless situations. Yeah, more grown up situations. Yeah, that just weren't safe. And do you think that was due to your fatness or was that due to your queerness? Because I reckon as you, you came to the queerness later. Yeah. So. I think it's definitely to do with my fatness. It was to do with the levels of self-worth that I had and what I felt like I deserved. How that if someone found me attractive, I immediately found them attractive because it was so novel for me. It felt novel for me. To be wanted. To be wanted, how, yeah, as soon as someone made a move on me, that was it. I was, regardless of how I felt about them, I just accepted what I was given because I felt that's all I would ever get. And that means that you end up in, in, really, in really shitty situations. It's challenging when you're sort of the passive recipient of desire rather than it being generated in yourself and you have to almost put up with what you're given yes. because you don't have the boundaries or the self-valuing to go, actually, I, 
deserve more. I deserve different, not necessarily more, but I deserve someone I actually desire. Or that you're just like basically baseline compatible with. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? In lots of situations, I found myself not enjoying those, like, those experiences, but feeling pleased that I have them ticked off my list. You know, and being really pleased to go back and be like, guys, I've done, I've done this. But actually, like, not having any connection with those people, not having any compatibility with those people. Or with your own desire and pleasure and what Completely. works for you. Completely. And so when I have had experience that have, have been the opposite of that, I still find it really hard to like be really clear about what I want because I just don't necessarily understand that like communication, that like, you know, actually I'm not just a thing that's like present <laughs> and has been lucky enough to be like, picked out of a crowd. There's something that's ringing in my head at this point and it's about masturbation and it's because I think for many years I avoided meaningful masturbation. Is that even a, t- I'm going to coin this term now, meaningful <laughs> masturbation because I think I felt I didn't, for other reasons, but I felt like I didn't deserve pleasure. I think I felt quite sullied, quite dirty from my experiences and felt mm. somehow like I wasn't worthy to discover my own pleasure and it really messed up my self-discovery and I wondered whether there's a similar story there. With masturbation I think it was a bit different because it was more to do with like the shame being in a girls school and like it was more shame related to that rather than um, not like my body not deserving pleasure Mm. and actually like ironically like again it's one of those stories that I just like thought through in my head and then I stopped because I was like this is tragic but like like tragically sad is in like the one the first time I masturbated was when a night where all of my friends had gone to a party that I hadn't been invited to of a boy from another school and they'd all gone and I hadn't I hadn't been invited and that was the first time I like discovered masturbation because I was alone because all my friends had gone to a party that I wasn't invited so in to. In some way. So in some way. Pretty ideal. It's pretty ideal. And like, but I remember and when you would I have had a much better time than at the party. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, but like, I remember being like, I'm only ever going to do this ten times in my life, and like, wow. getting to ten and being like, because you can't do it any more than that because that's not right. So you can only do it ten times. Okay, where did the ten thing come I from? I don't know. I have a weird thing about ten. Like, when I get to ten, I'll be like. But I want to do more, so I do twenty, and then I lost, lost count. Ten. Yeah, then I lost count. But um, good for you. Yeah. Has it been different about asking for what you want with women and non-binary people? Yes, I have very different sex with people that with have vaginas than I have with people who have penises, and I feel like I'm better at one. I'm better at having sex with vaginas than I am at penises, so it makes me feel like I enjoy that one more. But like, who who knows at this point? You never know. I might have a second coming. <laughs> uh, I think it's less to do with the person I'm having sex with and more to do with the, the trust and the and is situation. And is there anything in there about the fatness as well? About that somehow what there's more understanding or care or tenderness? I mean, I'm just throwing words in there, but it's what I imagine. Yeah, with... I think... I Bottom line, don't really find people that are thinner as attractive um I think it's like an element of fear of like I don't want to crush them and I don't want to like have to explain the way in which that my body has to like be intimate it might be different good luck trying to flip me upside down and like I don't know do a headstand and whatever (laughs) these people do yeah so I think you can't I, there are certain limitations to my body that, like, people don't... Unless you... If you've got an understanding, like, immediately you feel safer. Immediately 
you feel understood and held in a way that you don't with people who don't live in a fat body or haven't lived in a fat body. I also just find it really sexy. I find fat bodies really, really sexy. That's the body that I feel I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to. Like I'm attracted to rolls and bellies and like I'm, I'm attracted to that in a way that I'm not attracted to a thin body. I, don't, I can't imagine myself having sex with a thinner person. I just don't understand how logistically it would work. Yeah. But visually, is, that all, is it both visual and tactile? Yeah. Wise? Like, I love the softness. I love the, the sounds that it makes. I love the, like, the way that you have to position your body. I enjoy the limitations it has. And I think if I was the only person to have those limitations on my body and I felt like I was holding the experience back, I would feel that as a burden. Whereas when it's two bigger bodies, I'm trying to make this shit happen. <laughs> it's, it's more exciting. I find that more, more attractive. You sound, sound like it's also quite freeing. Because you can negotiate a landscape you understand. Totally. It's a brilliant collaboration. I love yeah. that. Let's make this shit happen. <laughs> let's make this shit happen. And like, you know, let's work out how, how we can do that. We, let's yeah. work out how, you know, actually we have to do some movement. We have to do a bit of logistics. We have to do a bit of planning. Like, you yeah. know, uh, and that's, that's okay. Like. But, but part of it's quite exciting in the sense that it takes time. Yeah. It takes time and communication. And therefore I imagine with time and communication, it's more and more foreplay. Because you're kind of... It, you know, it takes longer to get to the main event. It's not like sort of someone just sticks something inside and pumps in and out for a yeah. bit. But that, I don't know, that sounds like a very male sex thing to me. Yeah, no, no, sure. No, sorry, that's what I, what kind of, I, no, I, no, I, yeah. I wasn't saying, you know, that's the great <laughs> end point for anything. Um, um, well, saying, the main event. Oh, they say main event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting, that's the way we think, yeah. you know. But also, like, it still can be the main event. Like, uh, you can still enjoy penetration and there can still be two vaginas having sex and penetration still be the main event. Like that's yeah, like yeah. legitimate thing. Yeah, it means the thing that's penetrating someone isn't biologically attached to something, but like there are other ways in which that can still be mm-hmm. the, the main event. Yeah. And if that's what you want, but yeah, it's still, but it does take a bit more, you know, even thought. if you have to open a drawer, like you still, it's still, like, there still yeah. has to be a, a thought process. Yeah. You just don't see, like on TV or like in films, you don't see a fat person like going for a coffee. You don't see a fat person like getting on the tube unless it's like, oh, someone's going to squeeze next to them and it's going to be like the butt of a joke. Like you just don't see fat people falling in love. You don't see fat people having sex. You don't see those things. It's clearly such a challenging thing to be, as you say, um, be present and visible and potentially be open to the fact that you could be attacked, you know, verbally or physically, but also open to the emotions of someone who might need to be seeing you. So you have to be, weirdly, alert for all of it. There's an idea that I want to try and make work about just like making a really conventional and uninteresting love story about just two fat people falling in love and then you know maybe falling out of love or maybe staying together in a way that's just like really not genre bending or like mind-blowing but just like kind of mundane but in a way that those people won't have seen before Katie's show, Fatty Fat Fat, is running at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and runs from the 31st of July to the 26th of August at 3.15pm at the Attic at Pleasant's Courtyard. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Podcast. If you enjoyed this, you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the series a boost and help other people find us. Give us five stars.
does, you lovely lot. Go on, I feel so cheeky. <laughs> Thank you to Acast for hosting us. Matt Peaver for editing us. Ollie Birch for the music. And Sam Smith for the graphics. Join us next time when we interview another guest for their insights on the relationship we have to our bodies, sex, and of course, pleasure. pleasure.